Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Working at the Wheel. I'm your host, Vicki Dombeck, and we are so happy that you are joining us again. We are taking a little pause from our identity theft series, um, and we're coming to you with a topical episode in our 101 series, actually. So we started our 101 series with our very first podcast episode about Badger Crew. We did an evangelism episode way back in our Home Alone series, and now we are talking about Worship 101 and thinking about just the basics that come behind it. So I'm joined today by some really awesome guests. First of all, Mr. Jason Horton. How's it going, Jason? It's going great. Hey, everyone. Second time, third time on the podcast, fourth time on the podcast. I don't know. How many times have you been here, Jason? I think three. Three? Yeah. He was on the opening one, so he is this the second time on the 101 series, I should say. Um, we've also got two guests, Mr. Addison Gibbs. How's it going? Hey, guys. Happy to be here. And Ms. Claire Evanoff. How's it going? Hi, it's going good. So if you haven't listened to Working at the Wheel before, we are a Christian podcast produced by the student leaders of a Christian campus ministry, Badger Crew, um, in Madison, Wisconsin. We get our name from Jeremiah 18, where God is referenced as a potter working at the wheel as if we are the clay. Um, and like I said, we're talking about worship today. So musical worship, but also any types of worship that we can really dig in. All three of the people sitting next to me are very musically inclined. I am not, so I will try to add some input, but this is really about them today. So guys, I really want to start with the question of just what is worship? Um, what is worship in a musical sense and what can worship be even outside of a musical sense? I mean, yeah, so worship is basically just everything that you do in your life, just orienting it towards what how you can be serving God in that. Like if I'm just making art, if I'm playing music, um, if I'm doing my classes, like how can I be honoring God in everything I do and trying to serve him in that? For sure. Now what about musical sense? Yeah, I like that you make the distinction, Vicky, between worship and music because it's not necessarily fair to say that music is worship so much as uh, it's a form of worship, mm, yeah. right? Like, I think a lot of times when we talk about worship, um, it's, it's just a part of our Christianese, our Christian lingo to say, like, after a church service, like, oh, man, the worship during that church service was so good. But the whole <laughs> the whole church service should be worship, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not just the first three songs and the last three songs that your non-denominational church plays, you know, or, you know. So I like that distinction. But... That being said, you're totally right. It is. It, it can be musical. Worship can be musical. Um, and in fact, it often is because I think um, musically, um, there's some transcendent um, ability that we have as humans to connect really well through music. That's um, like whether that's emotionally, spiritually, even physically. Like music makes us groove and makes us dance. You know, there's yeah. a there's a connection that comes through music. Um, just amongst people. And I, the reason for that, at least a reason, a main reason for that has to be God designed it that way. It, God purposefully designed music to be connecting. Um, and, it, and that's why it connects us to him so well. So like throughout the Bible, we see um, the, the biggest book of the Bible, the Psalms. Um, these are all songs of worship to God. Um, mm -hmm. They're not just poems, a lot of times they're supposed to be accompanied by instruments, um, singing in unison. Um, but they're also not just um, like the kind of Christian contemporary songs that we think of today. So it's, it's a lot more varied than that. There's 
there's songs of uh, psalms of lament there's psalms of praise and thanksgiving there's psalms of um like kingship that that lift god's throne high um there, there's just a great there's a great variance in the ways that uh, music is employed to worship god yeah and in the sense of like worship can be in a bunch of different forms um i think a big thing too is like it's it's kind of tailored to to your like how you how you go about it yeah and so that's one thing i really like about it is just that is that it's kind of it's kind of on your own it's tailored to what to what you prefer um maybe musical worship isn't your strongest point but you can you can be really strong in in prayer um mm-hmm. praise and prayer and it's just kind of like yeah like claire was saying like anything you do um if you're doing it for the lord it's it can be considered worship um and in that it's it's kind of up to you in in what you want to to use to to worship the lord i think too there's even different ways of musical worship that is really important there's individual musical worship where you can just have that individual time um with music but also with god and then there's that giant communal worship that we see in church with you know um, hundreds of people strong that we can really just shout our praises to the Lord as a united body. Um, and I kind of want to talk about maybe the importance of both sides of those. You know, how can worship be important in an individual standpoint? Um, once again, whether it be musical or not, and just what does it mean to truly have communal worship with others? Yeah, well, in order to answer that, Vicky, I'd say that in some ways we, we sidestepped a little bit that first question of what is worship. Mm. Um, I think Claire started us off well by saying, um, essentially, like, worship is just doing anything in your life unto the glory of God. And that's that's totally true. That's exactly um, what the heart of it is. We talked a lot about, just recently, about different ways to, to pursue that. Mm-hmm. But it, it really is, worship really is just recognizing that God is over all things, and that His glory supersedes all things, and that we um, have not only a responsibility, but also a great joy and, and opportunity in that reality to look upon him and say, you are these things. I love these things about you. I love you. That's what worship really is. Um, and, and like Addison was saying, it's different for every person. Absolutely. Um, we can worship God through our hobbies. Um, if you love to fish, you can see the beauty in um, the different species that God has created beneath the waters and, and the way that that ecosystem works. And you can, you can, I mean, Jesus calls us fishers of men. You can, you can look to something in the scriptures and see the parables, the, or, or the parallels, pardon me, of, of Christ uh, casting um, down to the depths for us and pulling us up. You know, so there's, there's many ways to worship. And there's many different um, hobbies that we can employ as worship unto God. Um, but you asked the question, why is communal worship so impar- important? Why do we as a community mm-hmm. participate in worship? It's because, um, it's because we've been created to be relational beings. And, and if we're, I mean, I think back to um, when Jesus is asked the question, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? If I have to do one thing in my whole life um, for God, what, what's the most important thing that I can possibly do? And Jesus replies, he says, Love God completely with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, everything. Love God with that. And that's worship in one sense. Um, but then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't, you can't love God wholly without loving your, loving your neighbor wholly, mm. right? And you can't, you know, you can't have one without the other. And so if we're going to be worshiping God, 
we have to have right relationship with the things that he's created as well. Yeah. You know, in a sense, loving your brother is worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Love, like loving your sister in Christ is worshiping God. Um, and even those who are outside of the kingdom of God, when we love them and when we um, are able to um, treat them as Christ would treat them, that's, a, that's worship unto the Lord in its, in its simplest form. So that's why I think gathering together communally is so important. I think on an individual level, then, why we would participate in worship is to really open it up as, like, a two-way conversation between us and God. Because I think, me personally, like, I can sometimes make the excuse that, like, God already knows my heart. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows why I'm doing what I'm doing. But if we don't actively engage in worship and actively acknowledge that, like, I am doing this for God, I want to praise you right now, God, and, like, set aside that time and set aside like that place in your heart to be like okay I am dedicating this to you God it makes it a two-way conversation where we're actually opening our hearts to listen to what he has to say and not just expecting that he already knows it yeah and even even though he does kind of already know it right he wants us to say like father I need you I want you I love you you know it's it's not just like it's not like we're lines of code yeah that are just expected to perform a certain way. We, we do have uh, a portion of free will in order to say, God, I want you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, none of us are, are parents, <laughs> not yet, but, <laughs> but I have heard that sentiment from like earthly fathers. I've heard earthly fathers say, there's something, th- there's nothing that can, can surpass this one feeling of coming home and having my son say, dad, can we sit together? You know, mm-hmm. I, I would trade, I've heard fathers say that I would trade everything in the world to just have my son sit on my lap and, and be with me. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to perform like the best in school. I mean, of course, fathers want that for their children. Um, they want them to succeed. They want them to prosper. They want their children to go on and leave amazing legacies. But many times for parents, the most beautiful thing is just having their child want to be with them. And that's what God wants from us. Yeah, one thing you said, Jason, was use the word perform, right? And I think that's a word that we can talk about even um, when we're looking at a sense of musical worship is the difference of musical worship and a performance or calling it a concert or, um, you know, various things like that. And the difference between that, because unfortunately I've heard it being called, I've heard worship be called a concert and I'm just kind of like, it makes me cringe just a little bit. Um, and I was wondering if anybody had any thoughts to expand on that, on why we don't call worship a concert or a true performance and why, while we want things to sound wonderful, um, that any sound and any worship can be pleasing to the Lord's ear. Yeah, well, um, that's actually something that's kind of been on my heart, like, lately. Um, being new to the band and being new to playing, well, I guess right now we're recording for uh, Badger Crew, but but now soon enough we'll be performing live. Um, something that like that's kind of <laughs> yeah 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 big uh, snaps or whatever for that. Uh, we're excited to be in person again. When this comes out, you guys will be performing live. So, yes, so that, yes. That'll be good. Performing. So uh, see, <laughs> in some see? ways, yes. in some ways, yes. Oh, uh, we'll man. get into that. Go ahead, um, Yeah. So that's been something that that's kind of you know I've had some nerves about about performing live and. It's something I haven't really done very much musically, um, so there are some nerves there. Um, but the most reassuring thing is that 
is that it is worship and and what that means is is us as the band is is putting out a sound that that we're using and and we're trying to spread glory to god um throughout badger crew and and that's that's our goal it's not to put ourselves on and and you know bring bring glory to ourselves but but that's been the that's been the biggest just easing my nerves and easing just like any form of like self-glorification just like no it's it's not for me it's there's a greater purpose um for what we're doing so yeah that's good i i do think it's it's funny that we're so careful around the word perform um i I see the purpose in that Mm -hmm. but there is a sort of tension that needs to be held because i've i've personally have been on both sides of the spectrum i've been i've seen many leaders on either side of the spectrum and that spectrum is when it comes to worship that spectrum is um, excellence versus grace, right? Um, as musicians, we need to be able to strike uh, an intricate tension between those two things. We need to be able to find the balance point where it says, yes, we are playing beautiful sounds unto God, and we are, are, are able to lead other people in our community closer to um, the throne room of God in order to, to, to enthrone Him on our praises. Um, because of our excellent craft in music. But if we focus too much on our craft in music being excellent, then we begin to worship something entirely other than mm-hmm. God himself. Mm-hmm. We either start to worship our community um, because of um, the way that we're skilled in music, we start to, or we start to worship ourselves because of our um, abilities, God-given abilities. Um, then on the other side, if we rely too heavily on grace, that idea that no matter what we do, God has already made a way for us and already loves us so dearly, and nothing that we do can change that through the blood of Christ. Um, if we rely too heavily on that, we can sometimes, um, I guess I want to reword what I just said. You should always rely heavily on grace. <laughs> but if we only look upon grace and forget the idea of having excellence, mm-hmm. then we begin to lose um, another sense of worship we begin to lose some of the gravity of what it is that god is holy that he is perfect um, that he is that he is above all things and doesn't he then deserve our very best Mm -hmm. doesn't Mm -hmm. and maybe our very best isn't you know like a professional equivalent to a professional musician but we should still strive then if he is all these things to us we should still strive them towards excellence and and strike a balance between those two things yeah and I think that can apply to just about everything, too, when you're thinking about how can I strive to be an excellent this that will, in turn, glorify the Lord. And and don't get me wrong. When I'm saying strive for excellence, I don't mean to have status or to have wealth or anything of this earth, earthly rewards, and put those above God. I'm saying, like Jason was saying, your hobby can be a worship to God. So if you have a hobby of playing a sport, maybe being as good as you can at that sport to increase, you know, your platform to talk about Jesus. That's probably not the best example, but something like that where you are trying to worship the best you can to your best possibility because God deserves our best in everything. And thinking about not giving our best or kind of, you know, slumping off in that, he doesn't deserve that. And we, he doesn't want that in our lives either. He wants us to be a crafter in the abilities that he's giving us because 
all the abilities that he has given us, whether it be all of you being musically inclined and me not being so musically inclined, is for a reason. Um, and there is a reason why you guys are leading worship on Thursday nights or Sunday mornings, and I'm worshiping with the communal on, on, on the ground. On, you know? on the ground, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings up an interesting point, the, this term worship leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the term. I think it, it has its, its uses. I think that um, for some people it just conjures an image of um, uh, like a 20-something guy in black skinny jeans and a leather jacket and like you know what? Man bun or something. yeah for, for those worship leaders my prayer is that they really are magnifying the lord with everything they have but um the reality is a worship leader is not that um a worship leader is anyone who through their um bodily emotional or spiritual actions is inspiring others to come before the Lord and, and worship Him. That's at anybody, right? Yeah. So when you say that we're leading worship on stage from, you know, for, for a crew meeting, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'd hope so. <laughs> I'd hope that our intentions are, are yeah. exactly those things. Um, and, they, and they have been. Um, but we're not the only worship leaders in that room. There's been a number of times when we've been able to meet together um, where I'll be leading... Uh, a song in worship vocally and I'll look out and see someone on their knees before God mm-hmm. and that person in that moment is a worship leader mm-hmm. of a type yeah. because they're, they're demonstrating with their body God is worthy of um, X thing in my life and so I'm bowing before him I'm surrendering before him or I'm, I'm a, like in, enraptured by his um, magnificence and I have no other choice but to, but to bow before him and when other people see that they may or may not be able to catch a glimpse of exactly what that person is seeing mm-hmm. um, or some variant of, of what that person is seeing um, when it comes to the way they're um, looking at the Lord. And so they're a worship leader. Um, yeah, and that, then that, that brings up the question again of like performance and, and, mm-hmm. and are we, you know, should we engage our bodies in, in worship? Is it, um, is it proud? Is it prideful? for me to engage my body or to dance or to sing loud or to what do you guys think about that I think it's actually on the contrary I think it's for me anyways it's a very humbling thing um, to, to use my body um, during during musical worship um, just raising my hands or, or putting them out to God and saying here I am like like I like I praise you Lord like that's that's something that I find to be more prideful when I'm not doing that mm-hmm. in a worship setting um, and, and I, I've been there before where I'm looking around at other people doing it and, and coming at a, from a place of judgment, um, and, and not wanting to be in that place. But for me, it's a very humbling thing. It's a very making myself small, um, in the sense that, that God is so great. Um, I think for me, it has, um, definitely been a performance mindset in a lot of ways. Um, like sometimes I fall into this habit of treating worship as a time to practice singing better or a time to like show other people like what God is to me, but I'm not actually meaning it. And there's some value in, you know, being a worship leader and like kind of overemphasizing what you're doing um, just to show people like it's okay to engage in this way. Um, but at times for me, I know it has been not with the right mindset. And so, um, what I've been challenged to do instead is to just close my eyes and just 
stand and listen and really respond to what the lyrics of songs are saying to me. Um, but if I do have the inclination um, to just raise my hand, not fighting against that, um, because if he really is pushing me to do that, I should. Yeah, that's good. It, it really is, I've found, kind of a, uh, an, on an individual basis um, that we need to look inside ourselves. Because I think, I think for many of us, um, and maybe this, ex- I've had conversations with you, Claire, and, and, and many times what, what is the most worshipful and humbling thing for you to do before God is to be silent and, yeah. and, and commune with him through silent prayer. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and I think for many of us younger Christians, um, on the flip side of that, we wrestle with this idea of, well, if I, or, or this is kind of the story that we tell ourselves, if I raise my hands before God, or if I jump up and down in joy in His presence, if I kneel on my, on my knees before Him in, in humility, etc., etc., if I do that, then other people are going to look at me and think, mm-hmm. oh, they're being prideful. And that will cause them to stumble. So I don't want to cause them to stumble. Um, so I won't do those things. Right? I think that's the story that oftentimes people um, in, this, in this age group, can, and maybe others, but I can speak to our generation a little bit more. Um, I think that's the story we tell ourselves. When what's really happening is I don't want other people to think something about me. Mm-hmm. Whether it be, I don't want people to think I'm being prideful or I don't want people to think that I'm engaging in this too much and then ask me a bunch of questions that I'm not ready to answer. Because I feel like I've been on that end of the spectrum too super early in my faith walk. I'm very much someone who loves musical worship. Um, But when it came to putting putting my hands above my head and, and worshiping or screaming at the top of my lungs when, guys, I can't sing. I'm sorry, but it's that's the truth. So... It was always to me like, what is the person next to me going to think? What is my Bible study leader going to think and ask me the next time? Is she going to ask me these tough, tougher questions because she saw me with my hands up worshiping? Like, what is that going to mean? And I know for me, I can be an overthinker in general. So when that stuff comes into play, um, but I think that's the exact opposite of what God wants worship to look like. He doesn't want it to be worth thinking 24-7 about what we're going to do next. Yeah. It should just be a natural thing that you are just giving into and that you're surrendering into. And if you, if you worship well on your knees, get down on your knees. If you worship well with your hands in the air until your shoulders are sore, do that. If you worship well just sitting there in silence and like you were saying, Claire, soaking up the lyrics, then, then do that. And I think the biggest thing that we have to remember is the people around you, while communal worship is awesome and it's so important and I can't tell you the amount of times where I'll just – shut up and listen to everybody and it'll bring me such joy in the community that I'm surrounded by but worship also is super individual even in a communal sense so just being there on the floor doing how whatever you can do to connect with the Lord in that time and knowing the way that that is um, and being confident in that I think is really important yeah and I just want to add one other, one other thing to that um, Vicki as you talk about worshiping the best way you know how um, take risks in worship. Mm. Uh, if, if you find yourself feeling comfortable every single time that you worship before God, and I'm not saying if you find yourself feeling happy and joyful in His presence. Like, that's not the comfortability I'm talking about. I'm saying if you find yourself never changing spiritually as you encounter God in worship, whatever form of worship that is, typically it's musical worship, right? If that's happening, 
take risks in worship and change the way that you're engaging your body, change the way that you're engaging your voice and your spirit and your emotions in the, in the time. Because unless you do that, you're never going to get out of worship what you're supposed to get out of worship. Um, and let me clarify, you should never come into a time of worship expecting to receive from God. You should only go into a time of worship expecting to give more of yourself to God. But here's the mystery. When you give more of yourself to God, oftentimes he will bless you back. You know, oftentimes he'll, he, will, he will pour out more, more and more blessing, more and more wonder uh, about himself and about his creation onto you. So there is a, there is a receiving that happens when we're willing to lay down. Um, so if you're not receiving in worship, maybe you need to lay something down. Um, and one other clarification, that reception isn't always what we expect or what we want, but it is always what is best for us. So take risks in worship. God's not going to look down upon you and, and scoff or think, like, what a, what a stupid child I have. Or, like, you know, like, you're dancing like an idiot, Jason. <laughs> Stop. I don't want to see that. No, that's not the kind of father that God is. If he see, he doesn't look, look at my body and see, like, I, I can't dance, okay? I'm just going to say that. I can't dance. He doesn't look at my body when I dance in worship and say, you can't dance. He looks at my body and says, I see joy emanating from you. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I want to see more of that. So take risks. Yeah. And I think to respond to just worrying about what people think of you, like oftentimes I'm on the stage helping to lead worship. And if I'm not playing a song, I have nowhere to look but out. I can just see everybody worshiping. And to me, that's one of the most beautiful things is when I look out and I see everyone is worshiping in a different way. And when I hear the loud voices that are totally off key, like honestly, that is my favorite voice to hear because they're just so confident in the truths that they're proclaiming um, to the Lord, and they're not ashamed of that. So if that's an encouragement, I love hearing that. Wonderful. I'll, I'll sing closer to the stage when we start in person. <laughs> just just for you, just for you, so you can hear that. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I think the final question that we kind of want to wrap up with, too, is just, you know, I think we don't spend enough time on this podcast, unfortunately, just getting to know our guests. You know, we have them come in, and we have them drop some great truth on us. Um, but I think Worship has a big impact on even our personal stories, and I'd love to hear even a little parts of maybe each of your testimony that you could share in which worship has been a big part of that, whether it's been why you decided to, you know, be a part of the worship team with crew, or I know, Jason, you're involved with High Point Church's worship, um, and maybe why you took that step into that, how you got into musical worship individually. Is, I, don't, I don't know. I'll open it up to you guys um, to share whatever many parts of your testimony that worship has played a part into. I can kick us off. Um, so I guess I grew up pretty musically. Um, my, my parents got me into playing piano, violin, and then I picked up guitar later. Um, but I just grew up very musically, and, and so worship in church, I didn't really focus on the worship part. I mostly focused on the music part, and that kind of spanned a long time, um, where I would just pay more attention to what the drummer was doing and what the pianist was doing and and that kind of was how it went for a long time worship didn't really play a part in my faith um, until I actually come into college when I like first first semester I, I kind of I, I didn't really take part um, too much in Badger Crew um, my faith was, was a little bit stagnant um, but then second semester I, I just felt called to, to get a little bit more involved um, and so I kind of inquired about the band and auditions, and 
Um, yeah, so I got involved. I joined over the summer, and um, just since then, it's kind of been. I, I've I've realized that that God has blessed me with with gifts musically, um, and, and a great way to do that, or a great way to use that, is to is to glorify Him with it. And so that's kind of been where I've seen a lot of growth um, and, and a lot of more appreciation for worship and in the context of, of music work, musical worship. Um, it's just using the gifts that I've been given um, to glorify God. That's just been just like, just like really, like Jason was saying, like, like I, I laid something down. I said, God, use this, use this, this gift that you've given me um, to glorify you. And, and that's where I've seen a lot of growth and a lot of joy um, actually from it. So. So for me, I think worship is something I've been around my whole life. My parents are both very musically inclined. And so being in a musical worship environment is something that's very comfortable to me. But there's also a very strong vulnerability I experience when I'm playing musical worship because I've never really seen myself as an amazing musician. So when I'm up on stage helping to lead musical worship, it's me feeling like, okay, I might not be the best musician out there, but God is going to help me to really lead this and give as much as I can um, to lead these people. And what I can give is enough for him. Yeah, worship has been um, a, a very integral part of my just walk with the Lord in general. Um, it was quite possibly the thing that broke through my heart of stone mm. when I first came to to realize what the gospel was saying to me, that I needed Jesus because my sin was too great for me to carry. Um, and it was, I think it was really music around that message that, that broke through my heart of stone and, and, and helped me to connect with God in a way that I hadn't connected with him before and, and eventually give my life to him. And then from there, God had used worship music um, specifically in order to to draw me closer and closer to Himself, and to to continue building our relationship that we had started. But music was always something that was a part of my life as well. My family also was always quite musical, and um, is it's just an encouraged skill in my household to sing and to play instruments. And so that was it was a it was a um, a fertile place for me to, to, to grow that, um, that skill. Um, I now play guitar, I sing, um, I play some other instruments quite poorly, <laughs> but enjoyably in my free time. Um, and yeah, I, I never thought of music as something that was supposed to be for God, um, because I never really thought of God as something that was supposed to be for me. So, um, when, when I first heard somebody tell me, um, this is Brandon Brooks, he used to work um, yeah. here at UW on the crew staff. Now he's out in New York. Um, he, he was talking to me one day after we had a, a little discipleship time. This was kind of before I was fully given to the gospel um, and to Christ. He was explaining to me that the best way that I could possibly employ music would be to the glory of God because um, God is eternal. He is... Um, He's never-ending. His kingdom's never-ending. Um, and he's completely worthy of my artistic talent. And nothing else has that kind of worthiness or longevity to it. Um, so just from a logical standpoint, even, not even necessarily an emotional one, um, 
God is the most worthy cause for music. And I, and I thought about that, and I was like, no. <laughs> no, like, music makes me popular. It makes people like me. It, it like, gets chicks. <laughs> you know, like, music is for me. And never in a million years did I thought, that, or did I think that, um, that I would employ that to bring God's people together and, and have them uh, stand in awe of who he is. But ever since, um, well, God has worked on my heart thoroughly since then and continues to. And, and throughout that process, God has shown me that Brandon's words are true. And, and I think of um, one, one of the things that God's recently taken me through in the past year, maybe, about, about worship, about musical worship specifically, and, and how we are to engage in it. It kind of goes back to something that we were talking about earlier, and how do we engage our bodies and, and that sort of thing. Um, there's a scripture passage that, um, that, that is typically used in contexts like these. It's like a quintessential worship passage to inspire people. And, and it's really good, um, but you may have heard this before. All the same, it's, it comes from Second Samuel 6, and this is a chapter in the Bible where um, the Ark of the Covenant, the place that houses God's presence um, before the Holy Spirit came and, and, and dwelt in us believers in Christ, um, the Ark of the Covenant is being brought back into Jerusalem um, after a long, long time away. The presence of God had been essentially gone from that, that place for a long time. Um, and the king, David, um, he was so excited about the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence coming back into the city, um, that this happens in verse 14. Um, it, it says, and this is the NASB translation, it says, And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David that Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Um, and if that's confusing to you, um, well, an ephod is essentially like in some ways, an undergarment. It would be worn underneath priestly uh, or kingly robes. Um, and, and so for David to be dancing in that garment, in that way, um, it, it would be seen as kind of a disgrace to his, his, his kingly presence. Um, and, and he's doing this before his subjects. And so Michal, who is, um, who's married to, to David, um, She's, she's despising him in her heart, and, and this is what happens in verse 20. It says, But when David returned to bless his household, uh, Michal, the, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today! He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants' maids, as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. Um, so she's basically saying, like, Are you serious? Like, you're the king, and you're going to do something stupid like that? Yeah. You're not going to wear your robes in front of your subjects, and you're going to disgrace yourself like that. So she's she's throwing some sarcasm at him, some pretty heavy sarcasm. And in 21, David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his household to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will be even more lightly esteemed than this, and I will be even more humble in my own eyes. 
But with the maids of whom you have spoken, with them I will be distinguished. So David's making this claim. He's saying, like, I'm the most important person in this entire region. You're absolutely right about that. Um, but guess what? The Ark of the Covenant just came back into the city, and that just changed. God is now the most important person in this entire place. Yeah. And I will, I, I will become more and more lightly esteemed, uh, meaning like less and less. Um, um, the way that Wren Collective puts it, they say, I will become more undignified. Um, and, it, and it's because he wants to lift the Lord high. And so when, when McCall is saying these things about how he's disgracing himself and, and all these things because he's dancing before God with joy and splendor like a child would, um, David retorts and, and he says, you're absolutely wrong. God is worthy of this. Even if I look foolish, God is worthy of the highest of praises. And that's the highest way I could praise him in that moment. So um, bad things then happen to McCall. And yeah, anyways... <laughs> That relates because I think for many, many, um, many, many times leading worship, I really did think about um, playing the music as this kind of anxiety-inducing thing because I felt all this responsibility of like I really I have to lead people well, yeah. I have to play music well, and if I screw up, then I screw up any chance of people encountering God. And and the reality is for the worship leader, if we're not specifically trying to encounter God ourselves, and if we're not um, even if it's at the cost of looking undignified before other people, if we're not pursuing God with everything that we have in worship, it's going to have no effect on the people around us. Mm. Um, and that, that's true for anybody in that whole congregation. If we're not pursuing God, even at the risk of looking undignified to other people, um, what do you think is really going to happen? Do you think it's going to matter that even the very presence of the Lord is in that place? If you're unwilling to to shout before him and to, to dance before him. Yeah. Um, so that's that's just really impacted the way that I now will lead worship. If I screw something up, then I, I don't get scared and I don't try to re-dignify myself. I listen more intently for God's voice. And if he says that I need to do something embarrassing, <laughs> then I'll do something <laughs> embarrassing, you know? So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I thank you all for sharing um, those parts of your testimonies and for just being open about that and, and I think the way that we want to close today off is the way we close off every episode is just with our reference minute um and I think originally coming into this podcast I was going to ask you guys just for references about songs or artists but I think even talking about how worship can be far beyond just music um I think a normal reference minute of just you guys um plugging some books podcasts preachers churches any resources that you guys have been using recently whether it be musical or not when it comes to worship, uh, would be really good. And while musical worship was the overarching topic of this, with it just being Worship 101, um, ways that we can just continue to seek out the Lord else, elsewhere too. Yeah, I want to I plug Confession of Sin. <laughs> okay. I think that's one of the most inspiring <laughs> settings of worship. Um, if you are holding on to any sins that you feel you just cannot share with people because they're too grave, I want to ch- I want to plug that as as a, a resource for you. Confess that sin, and I guarantee you, if you if you do that with a contrite heart, it will inspire worship. Yeah, I think what I would suggest is, in terms of like musical worship, um, go to the Psalms, go to the Lamentations, and also go to the hymns. Like, I mean, the hymns specifically have been around for a long time for a reason. They have some really powerful things in them, even if we consider them to be old-fashioned. They can really speak great truths. 
Um, yeah, so I guess um, I'll kind of touch on uh, some some podcasts that I that I like. Uh, one of which is the one that we're on right now. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, but seriously, like this. I think this is so awesome that that Badger Crew's putting this together. I think like like it's just like it's relevant um, topics that, that that they talk about and like. I mean, it's relevant to UW Madison, you know, like, like it's specifically for like Badger Crew people to listen to and and beyond, but yeah. but more specifically, like it's here for for the Badger Crew movement, you know, and so like get involved, like keep listening to podcasts every week from Working at the Wheel, um, and also the Porch uh, podcast. I know it's been talked about before on here, yeah. but I'll plug it again. Uh, that's something I I really like to listen to on like car rides um, to my hometown or whatever it might be. Um, I think that's a really awesome way to worship too. Mm-hmm. Um, is to just like let it be silent in the car and just be listening and just kind of going over what they have to say in those podcasts. I think it's a really awesome way to just be with the Lord um, in your personal time um, and and use using your time uh, to glorify Him. Yeah. So I think education can be worship, educating ourselves in. Yeah, and that can be sure. a whole nother episode that we don't even need to dive in right <laughs> now. But um, maybe we'll look into doing that in the future. But I think like you were saying, and just listening and letting that be silent mm-hmm. when it comes to just educating ourselves and hearing um, wonderful people, especially even outside the Madison community, because there are wonderful people out there. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for being here today. I really appreciate us diving into not only musical worship, but really expanding this. And, and I think this is going to be really cool for people to think about. Cause I think when they see the title, they're instantly going to think music and hopefully they can take something out of this, whether they are musically inclined or not. Um, so it's been really great having you guys on. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening to working at the wheel. We will catch you later. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>